Good evening, folks, and welcome to the Grid Iron Crew, an American football podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. You're listening to and watching the Review Crew, and I am your host, Brian, the conscience of Cleveland Donlan. Well, we've only got two more weeks of football left, folks, but less, less about that, more about the incredible weekend of, the, of football that we've had, we've been treated to, blessed by the divisional round of the playoffs. Uh, now, as always, everybody, like, subscribe, follow the crew. You can find us on X, on Instagram, you can find us on YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Give us a link, get involved, chuck a wee message at us. We would love to hear from everybody. Now, as always, I am joined by three of the finest members that the crew could muster in such short notice on a Monday when it's still really minging and miserable outside, just after Big Storm Ice or whatever it was called. Well, first off, nobody, nobody expected this man to be sat on the couch and not getting an opportunity to talk about a homer game, even this late in the season. We expected this man to be talking about his team's endeavours but he's not, and he wasn't invited to the dance. Kev, how are you doing, sir? I'm good, Brian, I'm good. Uh, been out for a, a, a dinner at a well-known Calvary, and I'm a wee bit, a wee bit stuffed. But um, what a, what a great, great weekend of football uh, that we just had. I, I absolutely love playoff football. Um, you know, the best teams in the league, all on the line, playing flat out. I just, uh, it's been great. You know, it, it actually really has. I thoroughly enjoyed the. I thoroughly enjoyed the playoffs every year, but I've especially enjoyed them this year. And uh, the divisional round certainly gave us a lot to enjoy. Now, if we're talking about Kev not being invited to the dance, then our resident Bengal didn't even get invited to the dress rehearsal. Uh, Stu, how are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's you know, I've just been spending the weekend watching the football and doing other things like sledding with the kids because uh, we just had a. A huge. I know you guys had Storm Aisha. We just had a huge dump of snow from Saturday, like all the way through to this morning. It kept going, so that that made for some fun time with the sledding and all that. And uh, skiing will be fun tomorrow night too. But um, yeah, great weekend of football, like you say. I have to say, it was a lot more exciting than the previous weekend because uh, everything seemed to be a little bit closer. But I see. You know that's true, and we'll go on and talk about this as as we go through it. And, and it was the games were a lot tighter this weekend, but they were a, a bit more predictable in their outcomes. I felt we had, I felt like we had a lot more upsets last week. I thought we had a lot of upsets last week. Whereas this week, de- depending where I suppose you landed on on the on the on the Chiefs Bills game, more or less every favourite one, which like there's a reason they were favourites, I suppose. Still a bit disappointed. Still a bit. And not just because my beloved rounds get packed out of the first hurdle. Uh right now to be fair I'm talking about dancing and this was the only member of the crew with an invite. Um, and unfortunately, dancing made him really tired, so he had to go home early. Uh, Liam, how are you doing, mate? Yes, I'm grand. I'm grand, but um, a bit disappointed. But uh, we'll come on to that more, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, all, all in all, a good weekend of football, as we're saying. So, still enjoyed it. That's that is exactly it, mate. Sadly, sadly, we will need to talk about your disappointment. But don't worry. As we've said, as it feels like I only ever really say this to Kev, it feels like I don't say this to anyone else. It's therapy, mate. It's therapy. We're here to help. We're here. The healing starts today. Um, <laughs> and it could be worse. You could build it down. Um, even though he's been papped out of Michelle, he's just still is still the sorest, I think. Right. Okay. As always, we are going to get going with 
our kickoff question of the week. Now, all sport has its fair share of fairy tales, uh, and the NFL is absolutely no exception to that. We've been hearing all year about the Lions fairy tale season, and it continues, and we will talk more about them in a wee bit. But my question for each of you gentlemen is what is your favourite sporting fairy tale? Can be from any sport, can be for the for the NFL, can be for anywhere else. I know Stu's gonna go all typical Canadian on us in a wee bit uh, and refuse to talk about something that doesn't involve a slip hazard. Um but any sporting fairy tale. Uh Liam, why don't you start this off tonight, sir? What is your sporting fairy tale that you just that warms the cockles of your heart? So, so I was thinking about this before we came on, what, what to go with, but I'm, I'm going to go slightly, slightly back in time a little bit to 1992, the, Euro, the Euros when Denmark won the Euros after not being invited to the dance, as you were talking about, um, mm-hmm. when they stuck in, I think, was it Yugoslavia got, couldn't go or something like that, because of um, the... I was trying to be nice about it, you know, like, just, you know, you know obviously, but yeah, so yeah, and then obviously going on to the win, always is, is just amazing all around, doesn't it? So being the Germany in the final, I think, so, um, so yeah, that's my, my, um, sort of fairy tale memory of, of, of yesteryear. Right, do you know what? I, I'm actually going to come in. No, I was going to come to you, Kev, but I'm, I'm going to sneak in because Leah, this is why we should discuss these things before we come on. This is proof <laughs> to, to everybody listening that we don't discuss these things before we come on. Because uh, mine mine is on an exceptionally similar vein. It's Euro 2004. Uh, <laughs> when Greece won it coming for absolutely nowhere and no one expected Greece to be any good whatsoever. Uh, and they, they went and won the whole thing. Um, so... <laughs> That there you go. That was that 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 was mine, and I feel like uh, I feel like Liam's is actually probably better since it has war involved, and mine doesn't. Uh, <laughs> okay, there you go. If anything, this is just proof, folks, that um, rehearsal is the key to all things in life. <laughs> um, like Kev, coming to you, mate. What about a, a sporting fairy tale for yourself? Well, I, I was going to go with um, Leicester winning the Premiership. Um, you know, in, in this modern era of money talking and you know, especially in, in, you know, that sport, that type of football, um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the amount of money involved now um, and the disparity between the teams is ridiculous. So the fact that Leicester managed to win that was um, was unbelievable and that was a fairy tale. But um, I didn't want to go for another soccer one. Um, so I'm going to go for Tiger Woods. Um, I think him coming back and winning a major oh, after... Yeah. After all of his issues, all his personal problems and everything like that, to to make it back to the the top um, and win another major, um, you know, I think everybody was kind of rooting for him, and I that was that was one of my favourites. Do you think that like he was insured by like progressive or <laughs> State Farm? Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to think. I'm just trying to think which which insurance company Tiger Woods would get an advert with. I mean, we had we had all of it at homes with Baker Mayfield for Progressive. What would Tiger Woods' car insurance advert be like after all of the um, issues that he faced? Because well, I'm trying to be very diplomatic about what happened with Tiger Woods and, and automobiles being attacked by very unhappy partners. Uh, right, okay, before, before I get us in trouble with some random legal team somewhere. Uh, Stu, what about you, mate? What was your, uh, your sporting fairy tale? 
took me a bit to decide on this. Like, um, I admit, um, I've been kind of also keeping up with the Australian Open right now. So tennis has been in the forefront of my mind. So at first, I was going to lean towards something kind of recent in uh, Emma Red, uh, Rajakanu, like uh, winning the, the US Open over the other year, like coming through qualifying and everything. But I live in Canada, so I'm going to talk about something Canadian, which is ice hockey. So a few years back now, um, or just some backstory to this, ice hockey is one of these mental sports where as much as it's, you know, the fourth biggest kind of of the big four sports in North America, so there's billions behind it. Franchises are kind of like some of the richest sports clubs in the world. Like If you're talking about the Oilers here or the New York Rangers, Toronto Maple Leafs, um, etc. But one of the weird things about the sport is that you know, obviously, you've got your uh, usually you have your lineup of players, and you will have a sub goaltender, so a sub goalie. Ah, no, well, that story's good, and it's yeah, great. It's the emergency backup, the emergency backup is a thing in ice hockey, and I absolutely love it because so every single game in the NHL, what they'll do is they'll be you'll have your normal sub goaltender that's going to play for you know can play for your team if your other guy gets injured. Now, if that guy gets injured. There's always an emergency backup goaltender at the rink. And who the emergency backup goaltender is, it's usually like it could be, for instance, like uh, I've seen, you know, the guy that, or a guy that was like a goaltender for the University of Alberta Golden Bears. He was on standby for the Oilers game once. And the whole thing with emergency is he can play for either team. He's not like, okay, you're this team's emergency or that team's emergency guy. So anyway, so back you know a few years ago now, there's a guy called David Ayers who was 42 years old and he was the Zamboni driver for Toronto's <laughs> AHL affiliate team. So that's like their junior team, basically, the Toronto Marlies. Now in this game, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, who are one of the best teams in the league and they were at the time mm-hmm. as well, what I think before the game, one of their goalies got sick so he couldn't go. So they had to play with a, you know, the, the main guy was starting, so that was fine. Then he got injured, so it ended up with there was a situation where their goalie couldn't go on and the other guy was too sick to play. So this Zamboni driver, who thought he was just getting a free ticket to watch the game for the night, essentially, he gets told, OK, you need to go into the Carolina dressing room, put on like the spare goaltender gear and get out there, kind of thing. So he then goes into the game. Um, he did let two goals in, but he stopped eight of ten shots. So remember, this is a 42-year-old guy that's, not really played professional since, or not even professionally, played college hockey, I think. And then apart from that, he's just been playing beer league ever since and driving a Zamboni. So he, uh, he ended up, he won the game 6-3, so he still got credited with a win in the end. So uh, that's my fairy tale story, because I love the fact that it's almost like a lottery thing where, you know, maybe I'll get the call for the Edmonton Oilers one day to be like, hey, can you come and sit and be the emergency goalie? That's it. That, <laughs> Every surely like, there is not a sports fan alive. But carefully, if you we all must be the same. You've all sat there, been in the stadium watching a game and thought, see it, see if the manager called. I would answer. <laughs> come, with the, come with the hour. Come with the, come man, with the man. But imagine Maybe. the NFL if there was emergency kickers or something like that. So you know whenever whenever you see like guys get you know when kickers get injured and then you see teams going, I guess we're just gonna go for like two point attempts for the rest of the night because we don't have a kicker here. Or whatever. And obviously we had like, you know, um, was it the running back? Uh, who was it that got the, the PAT oh. earlier this year? 
Do you remember that? Right. It was a Texas guy, wasn't it? New kickoff yeah. question, guys. New kickoff question. Right, I'm, 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 <laughs> so, I should drill out a game. Talk about things we should have rehearsed first because if Stuart told me this, I could have thought about it. In an NFL game, you're in the stands. A position group gets wiped out by injury <laughs> and, and there's problems and your head coach turns, he scans the crowd and he finds you, says you are stepping in. Which position group do you feel you can step in? And do you know what? I'm sorry, Stu. I am banning kicker. Oh! <laughs> no kicking and punting. You have to say that. So no kicker or punter. What position would you feel that you would stand the least chance of embarrassing yourself entirely uh, if you were asked to step in? What would it be? What would you? What would you go for? You know, I'll, go, I'll go with my geese a minute to think. I I I think I could I could potentially come in at safety. I would go safety because I can't. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not picking anybody off. I'm not going to catch it. Respects. I can't catch. But I can get in the way. I'm good at being in the way. I can do that. <laughs> I can run about lots and get in the road. I reckon I could do that. I reckon I could step in at safety if I was really needed. Uh, well. I was gonna I was I was gonna cop out and say kicker until you banned it, but yeah, I, kickers are banned, that's an easy we would all we would all take kicker. I want I yeah. want a, I want a, I want a position where you stand a real chance of either having to tackle or getting tackled. Well I'm gonna go QB and I'm I'm gonna oh, hope that <laughs> and I'm gonna hope that we've got a hell of an offensive line. <laughs> <laughs> Kev's, Kev's quarterback provided they can get seven seconds behind the line at every snap. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> oh, right, Liam, Stu, come on. What we got? Where are you um, Liam, you go first. I was, I was, I was, I was going to cop it and go holder, but I won't do that. Um, so, no, that's high pressure, um, Liam. <laughs> you don't want to hold. <laughs> is out. I'm going to go down the same same view uh, kind of vein as, as Brian, but I'm going to go uh, cornerback. I'm quite tall, so I feel you're, like I could get in the way. I, see, tall? I wouldn't... I wouldn't trust myself to catch the ball, so at least I can just pat it away or smack it away. Oh somehow, so. yeah. You, you've got the height going for you. You can. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I imagine you've got a good. You've got a good vertical. I, I, I think you the combine vertical jump would be would be your event. <laughs> I think you'd be about that. Right, right so, uh, and, and you know what? I, and I, I wouldn't need to do this for Kevin Liam. So I, I only need to do this for Stu. Kickers and punters are banned. So is long snappers too. You're not having long snapper either. How did you know I was actually going to head for? Just before Stu comes in, I'd been a long snapper. Right, on you go, Stu. Where would you be? Where where would you step in for your beloved Bengals? You know what? I mean, I was also going to, if I'm not allowed long snapper, kicker or punter, I was actually going to head for quarterback and just hope that I had an amazing running back that I could just hand the ball to. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Nah, I'm going. I'm just going for it. I'm going wide receiver. I think I could play slot, and I think I, slot receiver. I, I love running and all that. That's I mean, cool. I think I probably get broken ribs instantly, but like, <laughs> not that tall, so I, I can't rely on the height. So give me the slot position, and I'll just either kind of try and get in the way of folk, and uh, maybe make the odd catch for a first down, and uh, that'll be me. I just, I know, see what the real question here should probably be: Which of us do we think would last the most snaps? Uh, before before we die, um, <laughs> of course. Um, before we get absolutely flattened by somebody, 
Uh, right, okay. Um, that was. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. The impromptu, uh, unscripted kickoff question was far better than my original kickoff question. Uh, so thank you, Stu, for inadvertently setting that up. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Um, we are, we're going to get going now. Uh, we remind that um, for everybody listening uh, on the second of February, Friday the second, it is going to be awards time. Um, we are getting towards that time of the season where the NFL likes to hand out awards. We like to honour awards. So make sure you catch up with the crew Friday the 2nd. Dan is working feverishly behind the scenes on uh, categories and all the rest of it. He's even going to make sure that there's actual voting done so that we don't wind up with like 15 different suggestions for every single award. So make sure you get stuck into that. Now, before we get wild in to the big talking point of the evening, and we start getting stuck into the actual divisional games. Wee bits of news. There's not as much news as, as, as the boys had before the games. Well, other than the games themselves, which I suppose is the news. Um, but little bits of news that we've got. Uh, one one for you, Kev. Uh, Nick Sirianni is safe. Um, or throwing everybody else in his coaching team under the bus. Uh, sad point of view thing, I'm sure. Um, we are waiting for a, a press conference on Wednesday where it is widely expected that Sirianni will confirm that he's going to be back next year. Um, and yeah, I don't, I'll be surprised at this, Kev. Is this, is this shocking news? No, I'm not surprised at that. Um, do you know, it's it, it's hard to say what went wrong. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people saying that Patricia getting um, put in charge of the defensive play calling um, was, you know, maybe where it all started to go wrong. But, you know, I don't think, you know, if you look at the, the the last season and up up until week twelve this year, um, you know we're doing a lot of stuff right, um, and Sirianni was you know was responsible for for much of that. So I I, I don't think it's a surprise that he's going to be getting um, at least one more roll of the dice and next year. Um, and I suppose it just it it's going to it's you know the the way our season ends means there's going to be a hell of a lot of scrutiny on him, and he's going to have to. Um, he's going to have to fix it and quick, but yeah, I think I think he's earned the the right to get um, a stab at it again next year. To, to be fair, Kev, when you're trying to evaluate where you think it went wrong, I would humbly suggest losing five of your last six games. indication it was going a bit. I've got a bit full. Um, <laughs> moving on for that, uh, the Lions uh, have brought Zach Ertz in to the practice squad. It was signed uh, signed early today. Um, and at the practice squad, uh, by most accounts, it looks like he will be immediately elevated uh, to be ready for the NFC Championship game, which we will get to talking more about how the Lions got there in a wee minute. Uh, Liam, what do you think? Zach Ertz, he's showing his age now, but is he still still enough to potentially come in and, and be, be that, that veteran presence, add a wee bit to the to the Lions fairy tale for the year? Yeah, well, he's always been a kind of, as you say, a good veteran player, hasn't he been? Um... It's not a bad player to bring in this late in the season. Whether he can do, I'm sure he can do some job blocking. Whether he, whether he will be catching the ball that much, he probably won't need to with Sam Laporta there. To be fair, but I think he will do a reasonable job. So I think it's not a bad, a bad shot this late in the season. Yeah, it's a good grab. Laporta's been looking good, but we know he's been getting a bit dinged up. So even if he's uh, maybe taking a bit of the pressure off Laporta, it's maybe it's maybe the idea. And maybe as you say, actually blocking assignments and some of the some of the the, the gritty, no nice parts of being a tight end is very possible. The plan is. Um, and then, then so I've, I've saved this bit of news for yourself, Stu, uh, as it does it does include one of your beloved Bengals. 
Um, Brian Callahan and Thomas Brown are both being interviewed in person. The, the news made a point of referencing that these are in-person mm-hmm. interviews to make it sound very important and serious. Um, but they're both being interviewed in person for the Titans' head coaching role. Um, now, offensive coordinators going up for head coaching roles, it's not actually as common as it used to be, but it's not an uncommon thing. Um, however, I'm going to say going to the Bengals for an offensive coordinator and going to the Panthers for an offensive coordinator are two yeah. two very different ecosystems that you're looking at there. Um, I think it's as Kev said earlier, we're uh, casting the net far and wide um, with the search in, uh, in Tennessee. What do, you, what do you make of it? Is this, is this a, an unfortunate part of... Okay, the Bengals season this year has, has not been the, the fairy tale that you would like. Of course, injuries and all the rest of it have, have played at all. But the Bengals offensively for the past number of years have very much been one of the big success stories in the league. Is this just the price you pay for that kind of success? Oh no, totally. And I mean, I, I will say as well, I'm actually surprised that we've managed to last so long with a completely intact coaching crew without people being poached and kind of moved on. And I mean, you know, talking about, I obviously talk a lot about Big Lou, kind of Lou Anarumo, and yeah. um, the fact that he's not really had any interviews this year is very pleasant for me because uh, losing him was more of a worry than losing some of the players in the past. Uh, as for Callahan, like, I would love to keep him, but at the same time, the guy's done so well over the past few years that I, you know, I'm not surprised to see him getting interviews. And if he was to get offered a head coach job, then fair play to him. I think he's more than earned it. Like, even if you look at our year this year and the circumstances and the hand he was dealt, like in terms of like, you know, you've got a hobbled borough to start the year. Then he goes out and you're bringing in a rookie quarterback and you've got to try and kind of scheme things up for him to work. So you're basically changing. It's almost like throw the playbook out and then here's a new one. And the fact that we stayed relevant until the last few weeks of the season kind of shows you how well he was doing, especially with our struggles on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, no, I think that's just a, you know, a, something that comes with success. I yes, and I'm just, just bringing it back just to be, to be genuine and not sarcastic to Kevin Eagles. Um, I, very genuinely, but the, that a lot was made of the Eagles' success last year, and then we, we all know the story about the losses that you suffered in the coaching side of things. Like, do do you put a lot of the struggles that the teams face this year to just you've you've lost some incredible talent in in the coaching staff? You know what I mean? It's that's not a it's not a secret to tend to say that. But how do you as a fan kind of looking in think that's that's really hurt us big style this year? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, the, the 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 strange thing for me is that you know we started the season so well, given that we lost um, both our offensive and defensive coordinators um, in the off season. So the, the surprise for me was that we started so good despite that. Um, but as the season's gone on, obviously, as I said, it's hard to say what's gone wrong. You can't really point the finger too much at the guys that have come in because their record was ten and one. Uh, early in the season, so as you know, I, I, I'm trying really hard to you know um, to decide or, or to, to figure out where you know where it kind of all started going wrong for us, and, um, and I'm I'm kind of starting to settle on maybe just a, a long tough season, and it just got too much for the players; they run out of steam. Um, Obviously, you know, people need somebody to blame. They kind of just, they kind of just, you know, be that, uh, that pragmatic and say, well, you know, it, yeah, it's what it is. Uh, you know, there's got to be somebody 
to throw under the bus, so to speak. Um, and maybe you know that's what's going to happen. But I, I just say, you know, learn from it, move on, start again next season. Quite right. We do always look for somebody to blame, Kevin. I'm going to choose to blame you. If you were a better fan, the Eagles would have done better this year. That's a good Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah. That's you made the trip out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need to get yourself into boots more. That's that's a an incredible in joke actually for everybody listening. Uh, nobody, nobody outside of our group chat will get. So moving on. Um, right, we are actually going to move on and talk about some of the amazing divisional football that we had this weekend. Um, now we are going to start with myself for short corner. I'm taking the Bucks game. Um, it was the first game of the weekend. It was the Bucks at, as we have said many times tonight, everybody's favourite fairy tale, the Detroit Lions, and the fairy tale rolls on. Uh, 31-23 it finished. It, it was an absolute cracker of a game. I What a way to start the weekend. Um, it, it was proper end-to-end stuff. Okay, yeah, it's 31-23. It's, it's not a low-scoring game. It's not, a, it's not what MD would call a shootout. Um, but just the, some of the, the plays that went on and the, you know, I'm, I'm going to say that the, the grit and determination from Tampa Bay, you know, don't be wrong, it's not, a, it's not a surprise for anybody to hear that I love Baker. Um, it's well a well-established fact. But the Tampa Bay team really, really, coming from, <laughs> coming from the South, the, everybody's favourite uh, division to mock because it's just it's been such a nonsense all year to then come and play really seriously good playoff football for the vast majority of well certainly all of the wild covering and then the vast majority of the divisional round right up until the end of it is, is a big testament to to the team to really stepping it up when they needed to right at the end of the year and it's the it's the old football adage it's doesn't matter how you how you start the season, it's how you end it. And they kind of got hot. But the Lions actually really look like they're legit. And Detroit is not only celebrating getting their first playoff win since I don't know 1743. I'm fairly sure the Mayflower hadn't landed before the Lions got their first playoff win. Um but for that, and then they just they look like a team that could keep rolling. I don't see anybody looking at Detroit and going, yeah, that, that that's that's the easy one. That's the one that we want to take. The, the story behind that just feels like they've got, it feels like that story still got, got chapters to, to be told. It doesn't feel to me like we are going to be sat here next week saying, oh, well, the Lions, they made it, they made it all the way to the championship game and then they get packed out. I, I can really, really see the Lions going all the way. I can see the Lions... Don't know they'll win a Super Bowl. I can see them appearing. I can see them getting through. Um, and I know that that's a big ask. And I know that it's San Francisco that they'll need to face. But I I don't know. You talk about who you who, who you see coming out. I see the Lions winning this. We bits the tail of the tape, obviously, in the game. Um it was KG first quarter, a couple of field goals, um, lots of kind of feeling each other out, all the rest of it. Um but <coughs> pardon me. Um we moved through the game, and it's for me the big story of the game was, and it's not a surprise. It's turnovers and it's penalties. Bucks gave up. Now again, they didn't give up hundreds and hundreds of penalty yardage, but they gave up 
just shy of double the penalty yardage that the Lions gave up. And most importantly, they turned it over twice. Now, first, the first interception is not on Baker. I don't care what anybody says. That first interception gets gets batted up into the air. Yeah, did he probably put a bit too much in the pass? Probably. Been saying a lot about Baker. Wide receivers have kind of consistently throughout Baker's career said that he, he throws the ball hot. He chucks it with zip behind it. And when it hit, you know, try to catch that, you're up in the air, it can be hard, and it's went up and went away. The last interception, however, that's all on Baker, unfortunately. Even as the biggest Baker lover going, um, he's thrown it early, he's thrown it into coverage, he's been making eye contact with the defender that catches it. It's really about as bad an interception as you can get in one of the most critical moments. Feel terrible for the guy because he looked really cut up after the game. Talking about it felt like his heart had just been ripped out. But as we say, we end it in the high. Jared Goff playing some really clean football. 287 yards, couple of touchdowns, no turnovers. Jameer Gibbs having a day. 74 yards on nine carries. Absolutely incredibly efficient running. Um, touchdown for him as well. I'm on right again. This is the thing that makes these this, these Detroit Lions. No, you look at the box score. Nobody's impressive. You look at that box score. It's it's spread about. Everybody's doing their own wee bit, and I suppose that's what makes them impressive. It's everybody across that team seems to be turning up and performing. You know, I mean, I'm on Ra, seventy-seven yards on eight receptions. Laporta, sixty-five yards on nine. Um, Gibbs. On top of his rushing mark, another 40 yards through the air. So, an absolutely incredible, incredible day for Detroit. The fans are obviously absolutely beside themselves and thoroughly looking forward to moving on to next weekend in a championship game and a chance to really play for something meaningful. Gents, what were your guys' thoughts? What were some of the things that started off our weekend and Saturday night? What were some of the, your big kind of thoughts that you, you looked at this game and you thought, wow. For me, I, th- I, I thought it was another uh, big game for, for Mike Evans. I, um, I, was, I felt sorry for him that he was on the losing end. Um, and it was a really, really, really good game. Um, you know, close, one score in it. And I, I think the way that Mike Evans had been playing, and Baker for that matter, you, you, you thought that there was, you know, a, a big finish on the cards when, when they got the ball back with the two minutes left to play. And it was just a shame that it that it just fizzled out with that interception late. Yeah, say Evans was incredible. 147 yards and eight receptions. <laughs> what am what, I imagine that you put up okay, I was about to say a career day, it's Mike Evans though, so it's not a career day for Mike Evans. For Mike <laughs> Evans, it's a Tuesday. Um, but it is an incredible <laughs> stat line to put up to be on the losing side. A shame. It is a heartbreaker, isn't it? Um, yeah. Stu, what were you? What was you when you were watching this one? Are you you missed a big chunk of this one actually. You, yeah, you were I, there, I watched the highlights, but like I'm sitting looking at the stats for the game just now, and it's like even obviously Mike Evans on the box side is the big one with 147 yards. If you look at it, even, uh, you know, Cade Otten, he only had five receptions for 65 yards. That's still, and a touchdown, that's still 13 yards a reception. Yeah. Chris Godwin, another great receiver. 
10 yards per reception, or, you know, 40 yards overall, 10 yards per reception uh, on his four kind of thing as well. So it's like, they, you know, they're making up like enough yards to get first downs and stuff. And yep. so the, the Tampa Bay passing attack was definitely in there. Same with the Russian, like even for that, like Rashad White, yeah, they were definitely rushing left less because they were chasing the game for most of the time. So Baker was getting, you know, sort of forced to chuck it a lot more. Rashad White, nine carries, 55 yards. If you're averaging 6.1 yards per carry, you're doing something right. And Rashad White's done that all year mm-hmm. kind of thing. So it's like if you're getting that 6.1 yards, then you're probably going to be able to, in a couple of rushes, get a first down kind of thing. You've seen as 6.1 times 2 is, what, 12.2? And there's 10 yards for a first down. So... Um, is it, well, you've heard of girl math. This is crew yeah. math. The crew <laughs> math, yeah. <laughs> how, how you get first downs, but no, like for Tampa, I, like I think what they showed was they are a team not far removed from you know winning a Super Bowl, and they're still doing you know they're still up there and they're still at least to make the playoffs kind of thing. They, you know they made the playoffs last year despite going out earlier. The big thing that's going to decide their off season is can they find a way to keep Mike Evans and. I don't know if they can, like the way the money's kind of, the way it's all trickling down and how much he's due getting paid. And the guy does have his ring already. So is he going to want the payday kind of thing? And is he going to go somewhere else as well? But uh, no, but there's that. And then from the other side, for me, yeah, it's just that continuing Detroit Lions kind of feel good story. Jared Goff being good enough. Kind of thing, good enough for Detroit. And uh, it's, it's excellent. Don't, don't say good enough, you'll make Kev feel sad. <laughs> just good enough. Just good enough. <laughs> um, tell t- right, t- you what, I'm going. So, do you know what, right, sorry, Liam, on you go. You go, you go for what, what were your big thoughts for this game? Then I'm going to ask a shameless question. No, I was just going to say, like, I know we kind of touched on the offenses. The other thing I was thought was impressive from the Lions was the way they were getting at Baker. I think their, their blitzes coming off the side, they, the amount of times they seemed to be unlocked just running. I think it was Brian Branch had at least one, maybe two, and I can't remember another player now. Uh, was it Melifono? Is that how you pronounce it? I think another one. They were just um, unblocked. Melifono had one point five sacks. Branch had one. Um, Hutchinson got in and one, and yeah. Reeves Maben was the other point five. Um, but uh, yeah, the Tampa's kind of offense line as well. How much they were doing well, they just didn't seem to be covering them as many times. It just seemed to be. I know I didn't probably wasn't. It just seemed to be all the time. It probably wasn't as obviously as much as that. But they certainly were stepping up. Detroit, you know, they've had their. Ups and downs in defense, I suppose. So they kind of, kind of, I think that was kind of good to see going into the next round. Obviously, right? Okay. Before we move on to the, to the next game, here's my, my, my closing question: This because it's the Detroit story continues, and it's still to be told. Um, so we're not we're not going to look too, too deep into them. But for Tampa Bay, that is the story closed for the year. That is them done. Do they pay Baker? Baker is no, he's on a he's on a very very light one year deal with them. Um, I suppose you would call it a prove it deal. Uh, he took you into the playoffs and he got you a playoffs win. Does that get him? I'm, no, I'm not going to say paid. We're not talking the Sean money. We're not talking Lamar money. But do do the Bucks commit in some way to Baker, or do they try and? I was going to say do something in the draft, not with their draft position. They're not going to get in for any of the top talent in the draft this year. Do they, so do, do they stick with Baker for a year and try and try and give him something to see him tempt him to stay in Tampa for a few seasons? What do we think? I would. I mean, I, I think if I'm Tampa, again, it's the money is the issue. Like, 
because like I just said with Mike Evans, trying to find the cash to bring him back. Like, yeah, they they have a decent amount of because we we're talking about this during the week. They have a decent amount of cap space coming up. The Bought, problem forty seven million in uh, forty seven million in cap space. But they only have forty guys signed going into next season, yeah. so you're using forty seven million to try and sign eleven people. And Mike Evans is, you know, one of these guys. If he wants paid, he's going to be getting what twenty twenty five million. So he's out the window. So for Baker, I mean, I think he's a quarterback, so you're probably going to want to pay your quarterback something. If they can get him for, you know, fifteen million, and then you go skip, you know, you go light on some of the other positions. Maybe that's what you do, but I don't know. I think it's even going to be hard to bring Baker back, to be honest. But I would do it though. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. Gonna... I would, I'd bring him back as well. I think you can't really after have, have a playoff run. You can't really not try and sign him back. I think. I suppose only worry is thinking back to the season before. Does it turn into a bit of like a Daniel Jones esque sort of signing? They got to the playoffs, sign him, and then oh. disappears again. Hopefully not. But um, Baker's but... good in alternate alternate years. They can play very, very well, then pull it. Then very, very well, and then pull it. So, you really want, I mean, if you want to wish Baker on your rival team next year, and then on a team you like the year following. I think the answer is that it really does depend on the rest of the roster um, and how that shapes up. Um, you know, like Stu said, if you know if 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 they're keeping Evans and and they manage to keep the majority of that team intact, then you would think it makes sense to keep Baker there. Um, if if Evans is going out the door, um, they're looking at a rebuild. Then you know maybe maybe they just they cut they cut their ties and um, and they look at the future. I don't know. Um, Stu's favorite quote: "Blow it up and start again. Blow it all yeah. up." <laughs> it's hard though because you know I look at Tampa and I kind of go they, they're sort of in the position. Well, look how the Rams have kind of turned it around. Like you know they're not obviously they're out of the playoffs already, but they made the playoffs this year. And they do look with having young guys like Puka and that coming into their team, they look like they probably could compete in that division again next yeah. year. So if you're yeah. Tampa, you've got to look at it and go like, well, how far away are we from, you know, are we only going to go downhill from here? Or do we think we can massage the roster enough to maybe go another round next time? Because we're going around in the, you know, the, the conference final and you're yeah. the Super Bowl, so you never yeah. know. So I don't know. It's tough. That's that's summer chat, though. I guess. Like that's what I mean. Yeah, it's just it's, it all comes down to you know their opinion on the roster next year and you know what direction they're going to move in. Um, I think if 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 they're well, trying to keep as much it together as possible, then you keep Baker. Um, but if if you're um if you're thinking that you're you know declining here and you're going to have to start a rebuild, then I think you just get rid of him as well and you know totally start again. Well, it's it's going to be interesting. And tell you what, seamlessly moving from one team with big questions and quarterback ahead of them to one team that certainly seems to have answered all of their quarterback questions that they had before the season and another team that's saying, stuff your quarterback model, we can do it with somebody irrelevant. It's going to be time to move on. We'll talk about the Packers at the Niners. Liam, I hate to do it to you, mate. You must have enjoyed the ride, surely, though. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, what, how do I describe this? I'm like, proud, as I say, but frustrated, I think, after that, I think, uh, is probably a way to put it. I think, yeah, it was coming into the game, I think, obviously, big big underdogs. I think we were like 10 points. I think those underdogs. underdogs um, which I suppose we expected, but I thought it was a bit far after after Dallas, when we were, I think, seven points underdogs. So, anyway, 
Um, yeah, it was it was a kind of weird night, windy, uh, wet night, I suppose. Um, and we started off we started off our drives well. We think we had three drives into the red zone, but that was I think that was the downfall. We didn't convert. I think we got one field goal. And we didn't convert the rest of it. Um, yeah, we had that potentially dodgy. Um, Placement, placement of the ball, maybe in the fourth down, um, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't dwell on that too much. Um, so, eh, I think. Right, like, sorry, to- I, I'm going to dwell on it for like half a second. <laughs> we live in a world where Apple can find your phone from halfway around the world. Yeah, in one of the most cash-rich <laughs> sports on the planet, we use a length of chain to figure this stuff out. It will <laughs> never not confuse me. We tried to do it well, twice. Get... Yeah, they did it twice because they did it uh, later on, and then we got we challenged it and got got it. But um, but yeah, so yeah, it was interesting. I love the history <laughs> of the chain gang. I love all of that. It's fabulous. But my God, guys, surely we can do better now. Sorry, moving on. Liam, no, take no, it no, away. It's all right. <laughs> I'm glad you moaned about it. That's fine. Carry on. Um, hey, so um, but yeah, so yeah, what was I saying? So yeah, the the first couple of drives, the other part of that was I think we we've obviously got a field goal and then. The other big play we missed was Savage, our safety, missing, uh, intercepting um, Purdy, which he basically threw him right at him, and he just dropped it, basically. Nothing more you can say, really, about it. And kind of watching as a fan, you kind of felt this is not going to go be our night, I think. Um, but to be fair, we did kind of, we turned it around, we got we got ahead. Um, yeah. And we kind of kept, for the most part, the Niners relatively at bay. Obviously, McCafferty, in the end, if you look at his box score, did pretty well in the end. He's like nearly 100 yards, two touchdowns. So an efficient night. But we, we kept we kept in. We kept a kind of big place to a minimum. I thought for the most part. Um, and obviously we were. Well, I think we were what, 21 and 17. I think up before we before we lost it. Um, yeah. Uh, tw- 21 to 14. 21 to 14. Um, so yeah, we we just kind of I suppose it's what could you call it choked at the end? I don't know. Maybe it was. Um, we just obviously love through his interception, first interception, which it was a right play, but it was just a bad ball. He just bit behind, behind. I think it was um, Kraft, uh, the tight end, and he just he just stuck his hand up, couldn't catch it. The ball went up in the air and then intercepted. So fair enough, you get those sometimes. You don't. So um, and then I suppose the other big kind of talking point was our kicker, which has been he's been up and down all season. Um, so to be fair, it's been interesting the commentary. Like I think lead up to the game, they were basically like Lafleur was like, "We're going to see it through. We're going to just stick with them, carry on." Um, and he, he obviously whiffed that field goal at the, near the end to go seven points up, seven points ahead. Um, and then you just kind of knew from there we were, we were going. To, you kind of had that feeling, got a feeling of we're going to lose this now, aren't we? Um, and yeah, and then the final drive, the, the first final throw was just a a bad interception, but just a. Bit of rush of blood to the head, I think, from love, but a bit of let's just try and do it all and just hope. And obviously, it didn't work out, shall we say? To put it mildly, um, a little bit, a little bit of hero ball coming yeah. in at the end. Everybody's favorite, favorite name Indeed. for something in the league hero ball sounds so good, then you realize it's an insult. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one because, as you say, the, the Niners were, were runaway favorites. You know, they're like nobody was really pegging the, the the Packers to pull an upset here, and to say you're in it, you're you're in, you're getting into the what is, so getting into the fourth, 
you're sat there at, as I said, um, 21-14 and get into the, in, in the fourth quarter and you're like, come on now. That's, you know I mean, you are ahead here, but then you let the Niners put 10 up on you without the play. And that's yeah, kind I mean, of the story. <laughs> Pardon me. Brian, <laughs> that's kind of the story of it. Brian, is that not also the uh, the first time that, or it's either the first or the second time that the Niners have been losing going into a fourth quarter and then went on to win the game? Oh, it could be. I need to go back and check that stat for yeah. sure. But I know, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. That's a, that's a whole thing because I know it was coming up numerous times this season. There was a whole thing about the Niners when they go into the fourth quarter behind. They never win, and if they're ahead, they always win, kind of thing, because they just close it out with their defence. Um, so that's that for me is an, an interesting point on the game that the Niners have finally been able to, when it really matters and really counts, they were able to, as bad as they were, they were able to turn up and you know basically drive it across the line, and that's a kind of mark of champions, shall we say. <laughs> These, well, these things will always turn around in the end, though, Stu. Um, at one point, the Eagles had won five games from from a uh, losing position at half-time. Yeah. Um, and then we all know how that turned out. So. Probably, <laughs> probably the Niners, it's been like five years of they never, ever win if they're losing going into the fourth quarter. Like, it's <laughs> some bonkers. One, th- one thing I'll say as well, actually, you know, if you are the Niners, and what would concern me, apart from Debo's shoulder maybe being broken again, um, is the fact it was the penalties. Well, the amount of flags they were taking. Because if you look at here, like for the stats, they had six penalties uh, for 83 yards. They gave up for the, you know, the uh, the Packers, and that was one of the things that maybe helped the Packers on their way to be more involved. But that lack of discipline from the Niners, you think if you start doing that in like a championship game or in the Super Bowl, if they make it there, you give up eighty three yards for free. It's like that's it's still going to help you win the game, kind of thing. So, well, if you look at that. You look at so Jordan Love put up one hundred and ninety four yards on the night. Yeah. And San Francisco gave him nearly half of that again. So, yeah, no, it is. That's, that's a big, it's big a question. It's, well, it's one of these ones, <clears throat> I suppose, because one of the big questions, you say, Niners, not to say Niners choke, but they, they, they maybe don't show that resilience, that ability to come back when they're down right at the end. And they've clutched up in this game, and, and they have managed it. They're right enough, they've came back against, and I don't mean this as a, as a, in a disrespectful way at all, came back against, Youngest, certainly the youngest roster in the playoffs, if not the youngest roster in the league. It's the youngest Some roster. Correct me in that. If it's not the youngest in the league, it's certainly thereabouts. So it's an inexperienced team that they're doing it to. And the Niners are the Avengers. We've had this chat all year. They are the most complete roster in the league. There are no, you know, we've all talked about, and we will talk about the Ravens and stuff, how they are playing incredible and they look like a great team. But there are holes in the Ravens roster. You can look down that roster and say, oh, you could be a bit stronger at running back. Yes, they've brought people in, but you could look at it and say, there's, there's places there you could be better. You struggle to do that with that Niners team. So, yeah, they're finally showing that little bit of resilience, maybe not against the toughest um, and the toughest playoff opponent that they could have been faced up with. First, first seventh seed to get a win in the playoffs, so certainly that's got to be something for Green Bay. But it's um, the Niners are showing that in if they can balance it, if they can screw them up, that they are a team that's that's very much one to watch. As much as I want to see the Lions keep doing it, the, the Niners are going to be tough, tough sledding for them yeah. going into the, the championship game next week. Liam, a big one for you, I suppose, with this, and it's almost a crappy question to ask. 
Uh, how do you feel looking at the season now that it's over? Now, now, that, now that, what is your, your overriding emotion? Are you, you look back and you, do you know what? That was a hell of a ride. I'm happy with where we wound up. Wildly over exceeded their expectations. Are, are you still a bit sore? Obviously, I was saying a bit frustrated because it was there from there for the taking really this game. But again, from where we were coming into the season to what we got to, I think we've answered what we needed to answer. Is is Jordan Love a, a competent enough QB? I'm not going to announce he's like Hall of Famer and that, or you know, the next coming of Aaron Rodgers or something. But he's a competent QB, definitely. That was the main aim of this season, really, to find out could he be be our franchise quarterback. I think we've answered that question. So. And then, as we've touched on, the young, youngest lost in the league. Got loads of rookies, first and second year players, certainly in offense. It's, I suppose, hopefully, it's probably the overriding feeling that things are keep, going to keep going, hopefully, for next season. And then, hopefully, we can build on it, I suppose, is the main thing, really. Well, it's, it certainly looks like things are potentially quite sunny in Green Bay, which is odd because Green Bay is freezing. It's Green Bay. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but for moving for, for moving from one team that seems to have discovered a franchise quarterback to another game featuring another team that is early days, but they look like they may have discovered a franchise quarterback as well. Uh, is this guy Lamar Jackson? You may have heard of him. No, it's uh, of course well, it's Lamar Jackson, but of course the discovery would be CJ Stroud. When we think about our next game, Texans at Ravens again, another game much like the last one with a. Uh, very, very firm betting line from the bookies. Let's <laughs> just say that there was definitely a favourite going into it. Uh, Kev, take us through this one, mate. What was the what was the, the tail of the tape, as they call it? Well, this one was uh, was probably the, the only one of the four games this weekend where the bookies didn't have to sweat, or at least not for very long. Um Start. I was really excited to watch this game. Um, you know, everybody knows that we we all have a bit of a soft spot for the Texans on the, the Gridiron Crew, and um, you know we've been enjoying watching them all season. So I was looking forward to this, and it started off great. Um, you know, two teams really keeping it really tight on defense. Um, we had we exchanged. Um, they exchanged kicks in the first half. Um, um, so field goals, rather, I should say. Um, so uh, in the first quarter, it uh, finished 3-0. Three, three um, then it started to heat up a wee bit. Um, we got a touchdown from the Ravens, and um, the response was a 67-yard um, punt return. Um, <laughs> touchdown from, uh, <coughs> from the Texans. So yeah, started to started to come alive then. Really good game to watch. Um, and then just before halftime, we had a missed field goal from the Texans, who had a chance to take the lead. Um, and then unfortunately, that's that's where it all um, kind of finished for the Texans. Um, second half, Lamar Jackson decided to turn up, and he just started running all over the Texans on offense. Got two Russian touchdowns, chucked another one to Likely, um, and unfortunately, you know the uh, the fairy tale that we've seen all year with the Texans, with their young quarterbacks, CJ Stroud. It, um, you know it, this is where it ended um, because that Ravens defense just you know took took time away from them. 
you know, got yeah. got in his face, and they they stopped being able to do anything on offense. So, uh, you know, ten ten was their uh, their lot in this game. They they could they, they couldn't put up any more points in the second half. Um, and yeah, in the end, probably the result you would expect. Decent first half to watch. In fact, I still enjoyed the second half. It was good seeing Lamar doing what Lamar does. Um, Lamar things. Yeah, Lamar doing Lamar stuff. But uh, yeah, aye, it was. A, it was. It was. It was. A, I don't know. I felt. I felt bad. Um, I, I was kind of sad for for the Texans and for CJ Stroud um, to see it come come to the end the way it did. You know, with, with such a whimper in that second half. You know, it's a funny one because like me, me and Stu will we'll do our best to put our, uh, our divisional rivalry and uh, hatred for all things uh, Baltimore aside. Um, I don't like, um, nobody was the, the Texans were walking into this with realistically pretty minimal pressure on them. It was little pressures you can have walking into the divisional round of the playoffs. The Texans had that, but the the manner of the defeat, I think, is is the thing that that you look at and you go, "Ah, oh, it's a shame." And things that jump out again. Penalties, 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 penalties. You cannot give Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens 70 yards to play with. You can't do it. You look at the you look at Lamar's stat line and you go, all right, you know, passing stat. He only chucked it 22 times. But he only had to chuck it 22 times because he carried it for another 11 and a hundred yards. <laughs> so it's it, it was a bit of a mismatch. I don't think that's unfair for me to say that at the end, it, the the score line is a fair reflection of the game. But it is one of the things I suppose to put it put it back out to you guys, Stu, Liam. Is this the kind of thing where, in okay, as a fan, it can be hard to do this. Texan fans listening very possibly don't agree with this or don't feel this way. But is this one where a wee bit like Green Bay, I suppose? You chalk it up to experience. You say, look, we had zero expectations going into this year. We had zero expectations going into this game. So it's fine. We dust ourselves down. We come back next year, another year under CJ, a year under CJ's belt, a year under D'Amico's belt, and we really try and attack this league from, from next season. Is, is that how the Texans need to be looking at this? I mean, yeah, I, I I would say so. Like, it's it's one of those things where they were holding it ten all at half time. So even getting that far was pretty good. I think it went the way we expected it to go in this game because, like you said earlier, the Ravens roster, uh, despite maybe not having the, you know, I know you were saying the rushing game isn't all that good, but I'm looking at it going well. Obviously, there's Lamar, who's an absolute <laughs> weapon anyway. But Justice Hill, thirteen carries, five point one yards a carry. Gus, sure, he was maybe only averaging four yards a carry, but it's the Gus boss. Kind of thing. A lot of the time, in the red that's zone, smart. the guys are a machine. Um, and on that Russian thing, though, that's the one place where I look at Houston and I go, "Okay, I know Devin Singletary. He had five receptions for forty-eight yards, which is excellent." Um, but you look what? at the Russian nine carries for twenty-two yards. So he averaged two point four yards a carry, and that's been a thing for them all year. Houston were winning by chucking it, and I feel like that's what they need to add for next season is, you know, you keep Singletary around and you maybe still use him for the, the odd kind of the dump-off pass and that because he does do well with that. But they need to find, you know, what I call the bowling ball type player, which is kind of like your A.J. Dillon and the Packers and 
the way Perrine was for uh, the Bengals, and I feel like we missed him this year, um, and the way he was for the Broncos, like just that guy that's the, I'm just going to go or Pacheco. Straight up the gut. Straight up the gut, and I'm going to run as hard as I physically can just to try and get as far as I possibly can. Um, but yeah, like for Houston, though, it's definitely it's a learning experience. They'll be able to take this and go forward. And, you know, let's face it, the Ravens right now, to me, they look pretty good kind of thing for maybe going all the way. I'm not saying they will go to the Super Bowl, but they have to be favourites against the Chiefs or whatever this next week kind of thing. Well, Slight on, favourite. On that, on that exact note, on that exact note, Liam, are, are the Ravens the AFC favourites? Are, are the Ravens the team to beat? They're coming up against Kansas City. Kansas City away again, although I think it's fair to say Mahomes has uh, dispelled that. Who doing? There'll be more to talk about that in a minute. Yeah, but they're, they're away again, and the Ravens are absolutely incredibly good at the moment. Are, are they the team to beat in the NFL right now? Certainly the AFC. What do we think? I think they're definitely. I think they're definitely going to be favourites against the Chiefs, and definitely. The- Best team in the, the AFC, I think. Overall, I think the record kind of stands tells you that uh, from the whole season, I think. So, yeah. And Lamar, obviously, obviously now, obviously, near enough secured his play MVP potentially with with that uh, game. Um, really. Um, so, so yeah. I think I've kind of I think I picked them to get to the Super Bowl uh, and the the pickums for the for the playoff run on the AFC side. Another thing, I suppose, to keep talking about defenses win championships. They've got an incredible defense as well. So, um, and that's I think that's what obviously killed the Texans as well. Touched on to kill the Texans. Um, to be fair, kind of touching on Stroud a wee bit there. You know, didn't get sacked once, which is uh, impressive after mm-hmm. going up against that defense. Even though we're scrambling everywhere, I suppose. But, but yeah, so I think Ravens definitely a team to beat. I don't know. I still have going back to the Niners. I still fancy the Niners maybe to go all the way in with their with their offensive weapons win it all, but we shall see. It's it's going to be very, very interesting. Right, we're going to move on to our final game. I think it was, uh, this is the one I think most people are considering, America's game um, for the weekend. It was, as we said, Chiefs at Bills. This year's Arrowhead Invitational was cancelled and instead it was moved to Buffalo. Stu, talk us through it, mate. Yeah, I mean, like you say, this is the heading into it. It was considered America, if not, well, America and therefore the world's game. The world's game. You you had star-studded players. You've got Patrick Mahomes, who's, you know, been there, done it, continues to do it. Um, Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey and his, uh, you know, his supremely famous, supremely gorgeous brother, Jason Kelsey, they are like resplendent, <laughs> like, that man, like, I mean, I, honestly, as much as I enjoyed the game, I think I might enjoy Jason Kelsey even more. Gutless Jason Kelsey. What's that? Gutless Jason Kelsey. Yeah, shirtless, that's the thing, it's just, it was, it was like trailer park boys, it was absolutely amazing, like, uh, I'm just, I'm happy to see him instantly embracing his retired life. Yep. On the beers, support my brother. Like uh hey what? Like um if Travis and the other star that was there, Taylor Swift, do end up going all the way and getting hitched, kind of thing, you know, at some point. I cannot wait for the best man speech at that way. <laughs> it has to be Jason Kelsey giving it, and it's gonna be fantastic. But um 
No, like we're talking about the game, no heading into it. You one of the things I'd noticed was just as you said, it wasn't the Arrowhead Invitational. It was it the it was in Buffalo and you had guys like the Dion Dawkins, like left tackle for the Bills before getting, you know, basically talking about it, saying like, well, you know, Mahomes has never been in Buffalo and had a full crowd going nuts at him. Good luck to him. So then obviously the game ends the way it does. You know, I don't know. It's one of these things. Well, of all the people who luck to in this league, Patrick Mahomes is not a man who tends to require a lot of luck in his side. And the thing is as well, is like when you look at what did the bloody Cincinnati mayor do heading into last year as well? It's like yep. Surely the Bills should have learned from us. Like, don't I know there's you want to kind of get inside people's heads, but maybe the Chiefs aren't the team to do that with because we <laughs> start poking the proverbial bear kind of thing and get it going. But anywho, like speaking about the actual game instead of all the stuff that's round about it, like, um, yeah, this I think it definitely delivered in terms of excitement. Like, uh, I was watching it and even as a neutral, I thoroughly enjoyed it. We had great kind of plays from either side. Like, Allen had his moments, Mahomes had his moments. Both defences were going pretty well. Uh, you know, you end up, like, by the time you're hitting... First quarter, there's only a couple of field goals each. Um, and it was... It was kind of breezy there, and it was obviously cold. Yes, and breeze, it was. The breeze will come into what happened later on as the game progresses. But you head through it. When you go to half time. It's all kind of going fairly well for the Bills. They're up 17 to 13, and you're thinking, you know what? They've managed the Chiefs pretty well. They've got the ball for most of the game, like on offense, and that was a key thing. Because uh, one thing I would like to, to bring up, just to swing back to the Ravens game for a moment, Ravens versus the Texans. The Ravens had the ball for 37 minutes, like on offense. Texans had it for 23. For the, the Chiefs game, the Chiefs had the ball for 23 minutes. The Bills had it for 37 minutes by the end of the game. So usually when you have a time of possession disparity that big, you'd say, well, that means that the team with the ball, you know, that's had the ball more, is most definitely walking out with a win. So mm-hmm. anyway, back to the game, it progresses. End of the third quarter, we're tied again, you know, two, two touchdowns each. And then... You know, the, the Bills are not that far ahead. And there was something that happened that I can clock. So I was watching my buddy Joe here in the bar and I said to him, I'm like, mm, I don't like this. Because the Bills fans basically started goading uh, the Chiefs. Can I, you know, they started yeah. doing the Chiefs chant like towards the end of the third quarter after their last touchdown. They were ahead at that point, but it's it's that way of you're going like, oh, hold on a minute here. You're only, you're only what would that be? Like, what, four points up or something at that moment kind of thing, I think, to check it. But then after yep. that, we do get a stop. They get the ball back, and then they get held. And this, for me, was the key point in the game. They're on their own 35-yard line. And then the Bills decide. And I mean, I understand the thinking. It's fourth and five. They're looking at it, and they're thinking, OK, we're probably going to need to punt here. The Chiefs, for whatever reason, they have a bad change. They only get 10 guys yep. on the field. The Bills at the last second go, you know what? Screw it. Let's go for the fake punt. Let's see what happens here. And in this fake punt, they don't convert. So they hand the Chiefs the ball like on their own 30, or, or on their own 35 again, I think. And the Chiefs then promptly almost score a touchdown immediately from it. Ball gets fumbled at the back of the end zone. It's a safety. We've seen this before recently. And, you know, whether yes, they're going to change this rule or not kind of thing for how it goes. But they sort of got away with one there. And you think, okay, cool. Well, they got away with it. Here we go. So 
they then end up kind of forcing the ball at the field a bit. They have to punt again. And in, at that point, you kind of go, well, I wonder what would have happened if they just punted in the first place. And they maybe mm-hmm. would have put it down because this time they muff the punt. So now the Chiefs have a short field and they go up and get the touchdown. Um, and you're left with it going, okay, well, unlike the Niners with Purdy in their game, when the Niners needed them, despite having a bad game the whole way up to then, he managed to deliver like on that last drive against the Packers and he got them all the way up the mm-hmm. field to get the touchdown. For Allen, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just the pressure or playing in the home stadium or whatever, but they do. They had a few good, you know, good plays to get them further up the field. But when it came down to it, he had a wide open receiver in the end zone and he throws the ball short. He also had the crossing route with Diggs that would have got them the first down as well in that moment as well. That he, he passed up on that to look for the the long shot. And you know, for me, I kind of looked at it and went, as good a game as he was having up to that point. Josh Allen seemed to kind of he kind of choked a bit there. Um, early on the game as well, though, you had Diggs fluffing on that kind of deep pass to yep. him. That like, if he'd if he'd rolled that in, not had the butter fingers, maybe the Bills are looking at a victory then again as well. And then it comes down to the crucial play at the end. It's the field goal attempt that would have tied it up and sent it to overtime potentially. And I remember again looking at it at the time, and I'm saying because you had the long shot of the sticks, and you could see the flags at the far end of the stadium. The ones that Bass was facing, they weren't really moving. So it's kind of you're going, okay, he's looking at it going, oh, it doesn't really look that windy. But when you see the long shot for the end of the stadium, the flags down the yeah. other end are like going, and I'm like, oh, he needs to, I'm like, he needs to aim left. He needs to aim left, otherwise he's going to miss this. And as soon as the ball hit, leaves his foot, you see it going centre. And then what happens? The ball just starts to drift off to the side and it goes wide right. So to me, I, I I don't know if I can blame Bass. And I know the fans are maybe... It's always easy to pile on the kicker, but to me, I'm kind of going... That's one of these situations where, to him, it looked like he was doing the right thing. It looked like there was no breeze there, but obviously the air up above, there was a bit more wind than he thought. So I don't know. It's I do feel bad for the Bills, though, because it's one of these things where, as a Bengals fan, it's the same thing. It's like, we've never won a Super Bowl. They've never won a Super Bowl, and they just seem cursed because it seems to be every time they get close and they have a you know a team that looks like they can maybe go over the line, they they just come up short. But uh, right, no uh, one mentioned anything to do with glazing. By the way, it's banned from the rest of the pod. I'm just banning anything, any glazing related commentary is banned. Um, <laughs> tell you what, so, right, well, and it was, and yes, the game finishes out. Um, Chiefs get it back after the misfield goal and, and the rest is in the books, as they say. They walk away 27-24 backwards. Now, one of the things that jumped out at me when I looked at this and when I kind of caught up with the, with, with the rest of the game this morning when I watched it, and particularly when I looked at the stats, playoff football is about your best players turning up. That is what it's all about. You look at Kansas City, um, Travis Kelsey, not being... He's been Travis. He's been very, very good. He's been very good generally, but he's not been Travis Kelsey this year. He's not been at his standards. It's his first sub one thousand yard regular season since God knows how long. Um, but last night, Travis Kelsey turned up. Isaiah Pacheco turned up. Patrick Mahomes doesn't need saying turned up. I'm going to say Josh Allen turned up last night. Josh Allen put up near enough two hundred sixty scrimmage yards. Um, the, okay, he wasn't electric through the air, but he did his thing on the ground as well. That's what he's known for. Um, James Cook, 
61 yards on 18 carries. As wildly efficient as some of the guys we've talked about so far tonight, no. But still, it's not a bad return, particularly against the Chiefs defence that in the second half really took that step forward. They struggled against the run in the first half. Second half, they really turned it up. Step on Diggs. Three receptions on eight targets, 21 yards. Had his struggles throughout the tail end of the season. Hasn't really been producing at the level that's expected of him. Is, is this the kind of thing, what do we think? Is this the kind of thing you look at and you go, you can't have... What's been made about Kansas's receivers not turning up, but they've had people turn up when they needed them last night. Can you really, you can't have your, one of your best wide receivers putting in such a poor performance on the, on the night, can you, and get away with it in that magnitude of a game? Um, Kev, Kev, what do you think? Is that one of the things you look at last night and you think, yep, that, that's what Buffalo needed? They needed somebody like Diggs to help them out. Absolutely. Um, Diggs, to be fair though, Diggs has been terrible all season, in, in my opinion. Um, <clears throat> I, I was unfortunate enough to own him in one of my fantasy leagues. Um, <laughs> and I think, I, I think after week five, he, he done like next to nothing in fantasy, but um, yeah, I, I don't, the, the, the surprising thing is that um, Shakir has actually been outperforming him, uh, you know, the young second year wide receiver that yep. has looked, looked like a better option for them. So uh, I, I wonder if it's it's about time for them to part ways with Diggs and look to try and get somebody else in. But for me, a lot of credit has to go to the manager because, they had a, a lot of injuries in their defence, um, the Bills. Um, and, and it looked like, yeah, yeah, the linebackers were all were all hurt. Um, I mean, I think it's the first time he's ever gone into a game with only four four dressed. Um, and, you know, they, they lost one um, at points during the game um, when he got hurt as well. But the managers come out and said, you know, that's not why we lost. And I suppose, you know, they, they were a missed... A missed field goal away from from taking it to overtime potentially, um, and probably like you say with the the, the drop pass, the digs, um, you know, had chances to um, to possibly win the game. So, um, you know, I, li- I like his attitude and saying, you know, you know, that's not why we lost. We had chances. You know, we had a team on the, the field that that could have won the game, and, and I like that. But I think at that level. You mentioned that the the Chiefs' defense, you know, tightened up in the, the, the third and fourth quarters, and the the Bills just their defense just were was shot to pieces, so they they weren't able to do that. Um, and for me, I think that's probably where uh, where it was lost. Right, Liam. Now I'm going to try and make you look like a hypocrite. Um, so. Uh... <laughs> I've not actually done this deliberately, so it's just played out that way. Um, is this just a case of it's KC being KC? You can, they've been a poor season by, by, by their own standards. They've made the playoffs all the rest of it. They are in another another AFC Championship game. But I think everybody in Arrowhead would agree that it's not been a standard of the... The, the, uh, the season hasn't been the standard that they would expect. But here they remain. The, the bad smell that won't go away. Sorry, Kansas. Um... Is this just a case of when you have Patrick Mahomes, there is no such thing as die? 
Um, I think that's definitely definitely part of it. I think you can't really argue against Mahomes. Um, I think another thing I think maybe also the coaching, like Andy Reid's been calling, calling is he been saving all his plays up for the the, the playoffs? The you know, in, uh, the postseason. Um, and then obviously as we touched on, is Kelsey obviously stepping up as well this week? Um, you know, it's it's I suppose it's the same old same old for for KC, but in a good way. Like they're they're getting the they're now getting the job done. They're They've got all the experience. Like Mahomes, obviously, even though he's still so young, he's got ridiculous amount of experience. We touched on like maybe Stroud and Love being obviously inexperienced players, but Mahomes has been there, done it all, seen it all. And he just, I suppose, knows how to get that win. Doesn't he? Just he kind of watch him. He's, I know you see him at times, maybe trying really up, rail up his players or whatever. But he's always just, for the most part, just doing his job, just doing making the plays when he needs to make the plays. It's, it's, it sounds too simple to be, but it's true. Just so sickening. Oh, I, I, I sound so bitter, and uh, suppose this is the case. I was sick of watching another team be so wildly successful. Um, but now this is this puts me in the impossible position. That do I want to see Kansas City in another Super Bowl? Not really. Do I want <laughs> to see the Ravens in any Super Bowls? No. <laughs> <laughs> so I I feel that somehow the AFC championship game should be nullified and the winner between the Niners and the Lions gets to be the Super Bowl champion. Uh, <laughs> or or you can just play the or you can just play that the whoever wins this this uh this conference match and gets to the Super Bowl gets absolutely crushed by the Niners. I like to try and convince the whole panel with a wee question about the game. So here's my, my question to the game is not about, no about that. Who, which of those two teams would you like to... So as a Bengals fan, so you have got relatively equal degrees of dislike for both the Ravens and Kansas. Which of those two teams would you like to see the Niners like utter... Oh, no, the Lions. The Lions are doing it. It's tied the Lions are going to destroy. Okay, okay, the Lions and it's, and it's not even going to be close. I'm talking Miami playing the Broncos doing. Which of them do you want to see get the biggest doing? I mean, but then I'm kind of. I don't. I know you're turning this around, but it's still. Who am I saying I would rather make the Super Bowl? I don't <laughs> you can't. We can't avoid it, mate. I can't change the rules. And also, this comes back to you said something earlier on about how we don't like anything from Baltimore. And I'd like to point out, I'm actually wearing the Baltimore Orioles oh, baseball hat, partly yeah. because it has. Uh, I do like the Orioles logo because it's the same color as the Bengals, and I just I like collecting baseball hats basically. So I have a whole bunch. I thought I would wear this as my nod to Lamar because I quite like him. Nod to Lamar. So. Um, yeah, because Tucker plays for the Ravens, I would like to see Tucker in the Super Bowl, but I would be absolutely delighted if the Lions or Niners beat them. But it would be nice for them to take it, that's <laughs> my point, rather than the Chiefs. Sorry, studs. <laughs> I'm not sorry. Uh, right, okay. Um, we're going to... Really anti-KC this week for some reason. Uh, right, we're going to move on. We're going to wrap this one up. We're going to do a bit of pace now, gentlemen, uh, because we're getting towards the end of the show. Uh, it is time to put this week in the rear view. Um, quick candidates for our, uh, our cruise missiles of the week. Now, this is we're talking about. It's harder and harder to pick a cruise missile in the playoffs because defenses are not really good. 
and have a habit of not giving up massive chunk plays. Um, so, Liam, we will we'll start with yourself, sir. Uh, who is your, your candidate for cruise missile of the week? Um, I was going to go for Evans catch from Baker. Um, he's sliding towards the ground. It was maybe not the longest throw in the world, but it was definitely an impressive play. Beautiful, beautiful catch by Evans. I need to say Baker's throw was, was decent, but I think Evans uh, Evans certainly made that that play what it was. Uh, Kev, what about yourself? Cruise, cruise missile candidate for us? One just popped into my head there, actually. I'm going to go for Brock Purdy to George Kittle. Yes, that was lovely, actually. That was very big. Uh, right, round them out then, Stuart. What about yourself over there? With Purdy to Kittle, with Baker to Evans, who are you nominating as your cruise missile candidate? Uh, I mean, it's maybe a bit of a, a cop-out here, but I'm going to go with Mahomes to the wide-open Travis Kelsey, mainly for the <laughs> how did he get so wide-open and what a giant explosion it caused when he caught it. Yeah. Kelsey jumping out and causing that earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? Purely for the Jason quake, uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nominate that one as well. So that is our, our cruise missile of the week is going to be Mahomes to Kelsey, and this best makes me feel like I'm going to settle in the karmic balance of me spending the last 10 minutes slagging off Kansas. Two's crushing candidate for the week. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take the lead in this one, and I'm, I'm going to nominate Baker. I think Baker, despite the interception, despite the interception that lost them the game, um, the story's brilliant. I love Baker's story this year, and I think he really did equip himself very well with the spike going out. Baker is my candidate. Uh, we'll go. We'll go to verse on the last one. Stu, you want to take us? Who would you nominate as your your crusher of the week? I'm gonna go. I'm copping out and going joint. So I'm gonna go with the Kansas City oh, Chiefs <laughs> because I love the way they stepped up and just went out to like murder any rusher or like anyone that was running for the Bills kind of thing at the end of the game. They just dialed up the pressure, and I'm doing that joint with another runner, Pacheco, because yep. uh, Pacheco. Angry runs. Let's talk about him a lot. It's like watching a cartoon character sometimes the way he runs. And it kind of is because he just has those skedaddly legs, but he's so angry. <laughs> so he's kind of fun to watch. Like I wish we had him in the Bengals. Like, he's good he's to enjoy him. Incredible, incredibly fun play to watch. Uh, Liam, come to yourself for your, uh, your crusher of the week. Um, I was going to go for Am- Amon Brown. I think again, and these sun gods, another efficient. Efficient week, not maybe loads of yards on the ground, um, catching, but got his touchdown. Just been what he's been all season, hasn't he? You know, he, he, he was, and he, he, he another excellent week. Well, if you want to found out about him through the week, which I don't know, like, I get it, but it feels like a missed opportunity. Do you know what the nickname he apparently prefers is? Saint. Saint. Your name, Amon Ra Saint Brown, and the nickname that you prefer is Saint, not Sun God. I feel like that's a self-inflicted demotion. Um, but, okay, this is my, my little observation. I'll tip that. Um, Kev, it's time for one of the best things in the world, a double dunt of Kev, because what could be better than one bit where Kev gets to talk? Two bits where Kev gets to talk. <laughs> um, so take us away, mate. Finish us off our cruise crusher, and then our seamless segue into Kev's bald out of the week. Well, crushed it. Um, I'm going to go for Lamar Jackson. Over 100 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, taking his team through. Um, so that's that's my crushed it this week. Um, and for my player that balled out, I'm going to go for in the, the, the same game. Uh, I'm going to give something to the Texans this week. Um, and that's Stephen Sims 
for his yes. uh, 67 yard punt return touchdown to, to make it interesting at least until half time. It's a beautiful, everybody loves a punt return touchdown, right? Yeah. Okay, we are we're gonna wrap this one up. Time as always to close out with our statistic of the week. Um, we give a shout out to, to Dan this week for ruining my statistic of the week by posting it in the group chat early. Um, when I was trying to keep it a secret and then he linked it to everybody. Um, but and I, I they again resettling those karmic balances by being nice about Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes has just clocked in his 13th playoff win. Now it might well wind up being unlucky for some, we'll wait and see how he fails next week against the Ravens. But even if he were to lose next week against the Ravens, Patrick Mahomes has more playoff wins than, and it's a list. The Cardinals, the Jags, the Saints, the Bengals, the Chargers, the Bucks, the Lions, the Browns, the Falcons, the Panthers, the Jets, and the Texans. The man is a one-man dynasty. He accumulates stats like no other, and yeah, it's his world, and we're just all living in it, I suppose. Um, so yes, our statistic of the week on Patrick Mahomes and his absolutely hilariously prolific playoff performances. Well, that brings us to a close. It is the end of the divisional round, everybody. We have got two more weekends of football to look forward to. Well, we'll get to it. 2.5. I'll call the Pro Bowl shenanigans 0.5 of a week. <laughs> Um, so 2.5 weekends of football weekends of football left to enjoy remember everybody <laughs> pardon me again remember your championship weekend starts on Thursday with the guys and the preview crew they're going to be talking about everything to do with the NFC and the AFC championship games there's a lot to look forward to there so make sure you get involved and reach out, get in touch with us Remember to get in touch. You can find us on X at Gridiron Crew. You can find us on Insta, Grid underscore iron underscore crew. Stick Gridiron Crew into YouTube. Stick it into wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like. Give us a subscribe. And as I keep saying, get in touch, folks. We would love to hear from you. Get your say on what we discuss on the crew. Thank you very much, chaps. It's been yet another fantastic episode talking football. I've had two weeks off. I've been away for ages, it feels like. So it's nice to get back and talk ball with you. Uh, Liam, thank you very much for being on with me tonight, sir. Always a pleasure. It's always good to chat ball. I'm looking forward to a nice, more relaxing weekend this weekend coming up. Don't have to have any nerves all over the place, so I can just chill out and enjoy the games. You can enjoy just sitting having a beer and, and relax with a game for a, yeah, for a change. Games. Last man standing. Who'd have thought it? Who'd have thought the Packers <laughs> fan would have been the last man standing? Um, <laughs> Stu, thank you very much, mate. Another, another great evening talking ball. Yeah, no, thanks for... Thanks for uh, having me along again, as always. It's been a little while since I've been on here too, so it was good good to get some chat in. And uh, yeah, Liam, welcome to the relaxed playoff watching club. Like, <laughs> I've, really enjoyed I've actually really enjoyed the playoffs this year just because there's literally yeah, no yes. stakes. I can just watch games and go, ah, oh, this is fun. <laughs> but here's to next right, year. And, and, and rounding it off, uh, Kev... Yeah, do you know what? I'm going to say you've been enjoying it as well, mate. Getting to relax for a change and just enjoy enjoy watching other people's glory and other people's misery as well. Thank you very much for coming on tonight, mate. Thank you very much, Brian. Been a pleasure as always. And with that, folks, we will catch you next week for a review of all things Championship Weekend. Make sure you join us then. <laughs>